A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the enthusiastic ferret knitter, who is known as Jacqueline Berto, and I'm here today with the wildlife crime officer who is... Stephen Bowden. We are, of course, joined by all the Grundies on the Fate Committee, and that's you, our lovely caller-innerers, emailer-innerers and whatsapper-innerers. For this episode, we have a perfect ten caller-innerers although there are 11 calls. We hear from Tracy from California twice, Glyn, who has a cunning plan, Witherspoon, who has a note of pride in his voice, our Rob, who wonders about Fallon, Paul from Olney, who thinks it's all a mess, Quentin, who wants to thank Rob for doing us all a favour, Claire from Clapham, who's not impressed by the Bridge Farm Archers, Christopher, who has answers to my questions, Bernadette with an update on the slap list, and Melly, who has a word for Lee, and the word is no. We have no two-minute histories this week, I'm afraid, as Stephen has been rather too busy editing the last couple of podcasts. But of course, we have Tweet of the Week from Purple Pumpkin, our Theo, and this week's social media roundup is from Witherspoon. But first, let's take a look at the week in Ambridge from our Sui Queen or Tart. Well, hello, lovely people. It's Sue, Queen Hortart on the Twitters here, and another week on Ambridge. Oh, my goodness, I was right last week when I said the village fate was turning into Grundy's world of ferrets. Eddie is definitely up to no good at the committee meetings with the whole family except for Clary Love, who is clearly locked in a garret knitting ferrets. Mia agreed to attend the committee meeting, but only if Eddie promised he was going to the EV meeting on Thursday. I don't remember anything confirming or denying his presence. Mia suggested encouraging Linda to research the history of the village fate for a brochure 
as a diversion, which makes no sense to me. Linda will love that. Eddie was stuck with sorting out the chemical toilets, which is rather satisfying. Will has the white elephant store. I'm very doubtful about whether he knows what that is, and if Carrie Love will be doing double time also making heffalumps. Ed spent his time worrying about his best man's speech, which is very unlikely to be like Jimus's version. He should be aiming for jokes, and Jimus will be providing some suitable Latin quotes. Lee's back at the coalface with actual patience, which is good for him, and hopefully spikesy. The karate kid apologised to Tom the sausage boy for being a bit short with him while he was worried about, oh, losing his job. Tom admitted he probably shouldn't have made Lee go with him. You think? Lee thinks he's the one who messed it up by shoving Rob, but Tom thinks that Rob might have fallen deliberately. I think we can all buy into that. Lee went to get advice on what to do on Friday from Harrison, who said in chorus with everyone listening in in their kitchens, don't go. And if you are going, then sit in a public space with people around you. I gather some people were planning for a meet-up in the park in Gloucester this afternoon. I hope it went well and you had a ringside view. In the meantime, somebody has paid Helen's massive solicitor's bill. This seems very dodgy indeed. Harrison is thinking of applying for a job as a wildlife crime officer, but his overtime would be cut. If the tea room loses a lot of its trade to the EV cafe, they could be in a bit of bother. Anyway, Fallon told Harrison he should apply. Jim checked the tea room had a hands-off Ambridge poster, which is fortunately on view. Apparently cooking the Scottish feast is proving troublesome. Pip, Ruth and Stella did some girly bonding over curry, and Stella claimed that she can take on any challenge home farm throws at her. Oh dear, that's not a good thing to say out loud. The drill arrived at home farm, and Ed and Stella did what, paper, scissors or something like that to see who was going to go first. Brian couldn't wait to have a go, and then Stella scared him off by gushing over the amount of tech. Brian suddenly realised he had work to do and made himself scarce. He did show off to Justin how great it was, though. Loads of people went to the EV meeting, including Mia, who didn't mention Eddie, and Jim splurged all his information at the start, allowing the cell charge woman to marshal her arguments and to keep people sweet. Afterwards, Fallon told Linda she doesn't feel reassured somehow. Jim said he's going to hold Damara and cell charge to account, and if they deviate from what they promised, he's going to take them down. So, Eddie and Lindy Bottom talked a lot about a path. Then Eddie sent her up the garden path like a clockwork toy so that she could start the fate research. We're not going to tear anything from her for ages. Lee, who hadn't slept for several nights, went off to Gloucester. Rob kept him waiting, then apologised for any distress he had caused. They talked about children, and Lee told him about the boys doing gymnastics and where they did that. And then Rob talked about missing the boys and Lee decided he's got to go off to San Francisco ASAP. At which point Helen will be on her own with the boys. Not that I'm suspicious or out. Well, till next week then, my lovelies. I hope it's a good one. So, how was your week in Ambridge or otherwise? Uh, well, my week otherwise was quite exciting because I don't know whether you remember, a few years ago when I first started doing Dumpty Dum, I had to take over a committee because I had to I had to have a little coup going on due to my uh, council work. So now I'm responsible for old people. <laughs> and on Thursday, I organised their summer meal and it was lovely. We had 40 octogenarians and nonagenarians and we all had a great time, lots of singing and poetry and after the meal and um, they all appreciated it because I've added a few little luxuries to their life just call me Jenny darling they now get coleslaw with their meat they've never had greens or vegetables before ever 
<laughs> and uh, they also get all, the old ladies all get to take a little posy of flowers. So I, I was up at five o'clock on uh, Thursday morning cutting flowers in the pouring rain from my garden. So they all had poses. So that was all very nice. It's good, good stuff. How about your week? Well, my week in real life was pretty quiet, but I actually rather enjoyed this week in Ambridge. I think there's a lot going on. And for once, there isn't too much that's really silly. We now know who paid the solicitor's bill. And it yep. was, as I suspected all along, Tom. Um, Tom and I, Natasha, because she must, she was included in the decision, wasn't she? Well, I mm. don't know that we know that. Ooh. That might be cause for further turmoil. <laughs> And then, of course, the big drill arrived and Stella was able to show that off. And it turns out it was a 12 metre drill, which fitted with what I suspected, given how much it cost. Yeah, I still think that's too big for the, the fields of home farm. But of course, we don't know how many hedgerows Brian has ripped out. Well, they did reference that, didn't they? But what was curious to me about our colorinoras this week, because we have had, as you said, 11 calls and 10 people, but not one person talked about the Grundies, well, apart from poor old Glynn, who decided to have a flight of fancy involving uh, Eddie. We'll hear that a bit later on. Nobody talked about the fact that we had Pip back, and not I don't think anybody really referenced the new drill. So, that, so the focus of our calls and uh, emails have all been about, Robin Helen. So I think as somebody says, he's got into our heads too. You mentioned Pip and I watched the latest episode of Van der Valk from ITV and the latest episode had Daisy Badger as a central character. So oh, it was wow. interesting seeing it was a bit disconcerting hearing Pip's voice coming out of the screen, but it was it was good to actually see her in something other than being in the archers. So uh, has ITV brought out a whole new Van der Valk series? Yes, this is the third series, and each series is three two-hour episodes. Oh, uh, so, well, that's interesting, because I think I've seen the first two, because they were up on Netflix, so I'll have to watch out for them. As I'm going to be in the UK, not this week, but the next week, I think I have to try and download it. A- well, it's on Sunday nights, and it's available on the new ITVX, Ooh. which is the streaming service, but you should be able to download all three episodes, and you have to put up with advertisements unless you pay a little premium for the ad-free service. Yeah, interesting, but nice to see Daisy Badger. In fact, fully enough, when I heard her on whatever night it was, Tuesday night, I thought, I wonder what she's been up to. And so I had a little Google search and uh, there was a thing from ITV saying that she was doing a new series, but it was out of date and it didn't say what the series was. So there you go. Right. right. Is it time to get on with the important stuff, which is the calls? Hello, Ambridge 3962. We're going to start with two calls because Tracy came in with two calls back to back. And here's the first one. Hello, this is Tracy from California. Okay, I'll start with a quick clarification. Adam's voice is nice. His character is boring. (laughs) And there are plenty of characters on this show who I like, but I might not like their voice. Or I like their voice, but don't like their character. So is what it is. But anyway, so I wasn't saying that you were boring. I'm saying Adam is a bore, as in his character, but he has a very nice voice. So there's that. Anyway, this whole, the whole character, the Helen storyline has been really, really triggering for me. And I wish they would put on something like hyper pleasant, maybe give us more gym or something. But it was, it's been super triggering, including and especially Helen's subscription to this idea about being humane means you have to go the distance to care for your abuser. 
that's not forgiveness and that's not necessarily being humane. That's just tripping. <laughs> when she when she's at the hospital and they're like, are you his wife? And she's like, yeah. And she says, I just said that to move things along. I'm unclear about why it would take longer for you to just say, no, I'm not. But, you know, he's my ex-husband. I'm here, whatever. Like, that's not extra time. So that was stupid. And even her going back to see him, I don't know why she keeps doing that and putting us through it with the characters. That's it. I think that's a boon to the writers because they have us in the same frustrated, upset, feeling powerless place as I'm sure her family would if they were real people. So anyway, or maybe put on, you know, it would be nice to hear something like pleasant, like more jazzer and like I said, more gym or something, something happening at the positive happening at the stables. I don't know. Glad Stella is standing up for herself and taking care of things. So still enjoying the show. Thanks a lot. I hope you have a good rest of your week. And then a few hours later, Tracy decided to come back with another go. Okay, Tracy from California. So my last call was too late in the week for the last show. So this is like leftover question that I have from this whole Lee assault situation. So I don't understand why Lee, he was saying he was guilty, like right off the bat. Like, oh, I'm so guilty. I'm a cheater, pocket eater. Oh, Lord, just you know, throw me in the burning fiery <laughs> pits because I'm just guilty and terrible. Instead of, you know, like he needed somebody sensible to talk him down. And I also don't understand with that situation, why wasn't Tom ever questioned? And why was he so quiet? He was a witness. Why didn't he go to the police station and say, Harrison, I was there. And that's not how it happened. Instead, Lee is enduring this all by itself. And, you know, it just seems like everybody's really down on him. So that's weird. But then also the psyche evals showed Rob to be like, basically a sociopath didn't he he showed him to be a bully and a manipulator so that's a profile consistent with someone who would block your way and then fall out like a world cup footballer and claim that they were assaulted when you push your way past them which is what i thought lee said he did that's not assault that's pushing your way past somebody so that's that just creates a different framework and we can talk about how wrong that is or not but it's just a different reality than quote-unquote assault. You know, the first thing Lee should have done was been like, nope, I need to speak to the lawyer so we can figure out how to navigate this and then handle it that way. But that just never happened. I don't get that. Anyway, so many questions. All right, have a good week. <laughs> so you're, you've got a lovely voice and you're not a bore, Stephen, so we've got that sorted out, out of the way, that problem. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and so, shall we talk about Lee and his feelings of guilt and so forth? I think Trace is absolutely right, but at least Lee did the right thing in the end by having a sensible talk with Harrison, and even if he did go ahead with the meeting with Rob, and we might get on to talk about that because it was, I think, a bit of an anticlimax, but we can talk about that a bit later on. He does seem to have been carrying a lot of guilt on his shoulders. Yeah, he has. And I was very interested in Trace's point about Tom because I thought it was very strange that Tom had not gone forward and given his version. Nobody appears to. Obviously, things happen off mic that we don't know about, but he appears not to have been included in the, the discussion about what Rob did and what Lee did. And I wanted to contrast that with what... What Adam didn't say or did say and what Tom did and didn't say. So we've seen two men in Ambridge not quite giving a full version of what, what's happened about something. Do you see what I mean? Yes, you mean Adam over the drill yeah. and Tom over the incident with Rob falling down and cracking his head. 
Yeah. I think Tom doesn't come over well to many of us. There might be some people who like him out there because he just does these rash, irrational decisions, rash actions. And so it just irritates us because he always seems to be making it worse. And even offering to... I, how do I feel about him having paid the solicitor's bill? I think he should have said something to Helen. She obviously found out, but it was kind of like a story thing to keep us thinking. It's that whole getting Rob in our brain thing, isn't it? Yes, a lot of people, I think, always assume that Rob is up to more no good than he actually is, including some fairly wild speculations about the idea that he might be having late-night phone conversations with Henry, which... Yeah. doesn't make any sense to me at all because no. he's not really interested in Henry. No, he's just pretending, isn't he? I think I felt that in the conversation he had with Lee, yes, he was. He got Lee talking about Henry because he wasn't going to knew Lee wasn't going to talk about Jack uh, immediately. So talk about Henry, and then that brings him in and to get some talking about his, but about his other his children as well. But we'll come to that a bit later on. But one thing that Tracy said in her first call was that we need more Jazza and more Jim. And we're certainly going to get that this coming week because it's going to be the Jazza and Tracy wedding. Yeah, Jim and his best man's speech. We had a bit of Jim, didn't we, in the electric vehicle charging station meeting. One of the things I think that they've tried to balance this week is put the Grundy's World of Ferret uh, worse than fake committee coup to contrast the Rob stuff. But I think a lot of people gloss over when it comes to that. I quite like all the, the annual events and Linda and her shows and fates and everybody's prevarication, but that's just me. It is a bit ridiculous that they actually have to have meetings to discuss the fate each year rather than getting out the well-tried and tested plans from previous years and just allocating the roles. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's just one of those things of being able to get a few people in a room together. But they weren't all in the same room because we only ever heard three people at a time, I think, in any one scene. (laughs) Although apparently the room was stuffed with Grundy's. Right, let's move on to our next call, and that is from Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Glyn here. Phoning in on Thursday night, so ahead of the Lee and Rob showdown. I think if I was Lee, I would take Eddie Grundy along with me and ask him to intercept Rob before I met him and try to sell him some knitted ferrets. And I think that would confuse Rob to such an extent that by the time I or Lee met him, he would be ready to agree to almost anything. But (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen. This week, quite a lot of focus on Fallon. She's obviously going through a little bit of a crisis here. A little bit of echoes of Helen and Lee. Helen isn't really responding and realising what Lee is going through. And I don't think Harrison is really realising what Fallon is going through. But I do wonder whether we're going to see a clash between two rather stressed ladies, Fallon and Helen. And it may lead to Fallon deciding that actually the charging station cafe isn't a bad idea after all, especially if she can get her hands on it. So I think her focus may move to trying to secure that location and then Helen will be rather shocked when she moves out. Anyway, thank you as ever for the podcast and best wishes to all in Dumpty Dumland and speak again soon. That was an interesting thing thrown up at the charging station meeting, the idea that somebody would be able to bid for the cafe contract obviously in real life that would almost certainly go to one of the big 
international yeah. coffee chains. But in the slightly more cosy world of Ambridge, I guess it's plausible that a local bid might come through and that bid might well come in from Fallon, though the hours that the cafe at a an electric vehicle charging station was open for would be a lot longer than those at the tea room. Yeah, they would be, but then there's more employment opportunity in Ambridge because the, we know it's a village and we don't know what the employment opportunities are. We, there aren't many, if you see what I mean. No, and I think that Chelsea has the idea of setting up a salon on the site of the electric vehicle charging station so that customers can have their hair done while they wait for their cars to charge. I think it's a very good idea. I mean, why not use the space? If I thought that it was a good idea to have an EV charging station in Ambridge, but we'll come on to that a bit later because somebody talks about it and I agree with her entirely. The other thing that Glyn said was this clash between Fallon and Helen that's coming. I think they've always had a very dodgy relationship about the, the use of Bridge Farm and the cafe on... Uh, the tea room, sorry, on Bridge Farm. I was thinking that Fallon and Helen had clashed over... Orchard Fresh, but that, of course, was Natasha who had a clash with Fallon. I think Fallon's relationship with the entire clan of Bridge Farm Archers has always been a bit difficult. Yeah, and I think the lack of communication about Open Farm Sunday, them cancelling fairly late in the day, deciding not to do it. And Fallon's obviously still bearing a grudge about that, and she she talked about the difficulties uh, with Jim, didn't she, of, especially of a lucrative day like that. But why are the tea rooms less popular now than they were? Because at the beginning, lots of people went through, and they had mini events and stuff like that. So why is she saying it's now empty? Are there less old people going to do the Times crossword and drink coffees and scones? I don't know. It might be just the cost of living crisis means that people are drinking more tea and coffee at home and making their own cakes rather than going to the tea room. Oh, good thinking, Stephen. Now, one thing you didn't pick up on was Glyn's early comment about <laughs> the ferrets. I didn't because I know I just could just see him going into this flight of fancy, as I said in the intro. <laughs> um, yes, knitting ferrets. Now, that brings me on to the subject of the poor soul who's knitting the ferrets. Oh, Clary. Poor Clary. She has been put upon by that wretched man and now he's wretched ferrets. She's got him locked up, as Sue said, in a, a garret somewhere, knitting night and day. Oh, poor Clary. I feel so sorry for her. That whole first thing on Sunday of him having the whole family round and him doing dinner or lunch and he couldn't, didn't know how to do roast potatoes. How blooming old is he? So irritating. But it was a success in the end. He got his crackling on the pork exactly right, and he did do enough potatoes in the end. So he is pulling his weight. Ah, uh, yes, he's starting to pull his weight a bit at this uh, because he needs her to do other things. But I was amused by it. At the end, he said, oh, yes, it worked out well, but I was a right sweaty mess. And I thought... What do you think Clary does every weekend with the family with roast dinner? She does a roast dinner in the week as well. So I think he should show his appreciation for Clary more. Absolutely. Everybody should show their appreciation for Clary more than they do. Indeed. Let's see who we've got next. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Jacqueline, Stephen, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's with a spoon and Angus Haggis here. Last weekend, we celebrated Pride in New York City, and I checked, so did Birmingham. I thought it was very purposeful that the scriptwriters waited for the coming out of Stella 
as a member of the LGBTQ community until a couple of days before. There was no drama about it, no fireworks were lit, which tells us a lot about how Ambridge and the world have evolved in the past 20 to 40 years. I should also note that a similar thing happened with Rory and with Paul. Hey, it's becoming a gay Ambridge. We're not just in big cities. We have a lot to contribute to a small rural village. But we now must not forget the battles that will need to be fought for our trans folk, especially here in the United States. That's it for now, as I must finish up the social media roundup for this week. Talk to you later in the episode. Thank you for that call, Witherspoon. This has been a very busy boy this week, Boom, with the uh, social media roundup and managing a caller or in a I mean, the... the ev- the BBC has changed so much in the last few years, trying to be more inclusive. They do sometimes get it right, and I think that coming out of Stella was very well-timed. I think with all the gay characters that we have in Ambridge, it's been interesting that there has been no homophobia, which I think is probably a little unusual. I think that in a village like that, you would have some people who would be at best tutting away and at worst taking action. But the characters seem to have come out to the extent that Stella has actually come out. I think it's implied rather than fully stated. But they've come out and it's all just been accepted, which is certainly the way things ought to be. Indeed. Of course, we we did have the years when Brian was very anti, very homophobic towards uh, Adam. And when Adam and Ian got married, he bonded with Ian's father, didn't he, over the, uh, their lack of trust of this kind of relationship. But times have definitely moved on now, so it's very good, and as you say, as it should be. Yes, and Brian and Ian's father did end up going along to the wedding, didn't they? They did, yeah, yeah. I think uh, Brian was hesitating, and my memory serves me right... He met up with the father, hesitating as well, and they decided to go in and support. I think Brian went in as support of Jenny. Why Ian's father decided to go in, I can't remember. Oh, that's going back in the mists of time. It must have been in the early noughties, that. Yes, I can't remember exactly when the wedding was. I should. Oh, this is this is against our new policy of trying to be as informed as possible, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, we'll correct that. Somebody will correct us. <laughs> okay. The best and easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dumpty dum. And don't forget that T in the middle. You'll also find a link in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp on plus four four seven nine five seven one six seven six nine six. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes. And bear in mind, you need to be at least 18 to take part. And we need your help. There are three things you can do. First of all, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast streamer you use. Secondly, give us a review. It would be hugely appreciated, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts. And of course, a five-star review always goes down well. Finally, the third thing is that you could consider becoming a Patreon. Patreon is a way of contributing to the running costs of your favourite podcast. If you go to patreon.com and search for Dumpty Dum, we would be delighted to have your support. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So, shall we go back to the calls? Okay, and next up is Rob. Hi there, Stephen and Jacqueline, and dump timbers around the world, Rob speaking. Um, and just a very quick thought. I always considered Fallon to be one of the sharper knives in the drawer, but it came across as quite a surprise to me that she didn't have a clue what was happening with the charging station. She didn't realise it was going to be any kind of threat to them in the tea shop. Now, considering it has been one of the most talked about topics in the village, and she's actually got posters for it up there, I would have thought she would have had some idea of what was going. I mean, is this just a bit of shabby writing, or am I missing the point somewhere? It's always a coin toss with me. Sorry. Take care, all. See you soon. Bye. I think that's a reasonable point from Rob. I know that Fallon works quite a long way south of the village at Bridge Farm. But she lives right on the village green. And as far as I can see, the EV charging station will be within a quarter of a mile of where she lives. Yes, very interesting. I, I kind of agree with Rob, although I think we're having Fallon portrayed as somebody who is preoccupied, preoccupied about the business side of the tea rooms, busy with catering a wedding, Preoccupied by the changes she's seeing in uh, Harrison over the last few years with him finding God and now his wanting to do a different job, you know, money is a preoccupation. So I, I'm sh- I don't I don't think it's uh, shoddy writing. I think they're showing that she's being she's busy and she's not not connecting with everything to do with the village. We've got a call a bit later on which addresses the issue of. Fallon and Harrison and their relationship and how yeah. they have sort of swapped places. But we'll come on to that later. Yeah, but thanks for your call, Rob. Next up, it's Paul. Hello, Jacqueline and Stephen. It's Paul in Only here. We do seem to be getting Rob every other week at the moment. Last meeting with him was two weeks ago with Helen. It's an interesting development tonight. I've just listened to the episode. I'm sure Rob's still up to something. 
I think it's trying to get Lee's sympathy so that he uses Lee to get some form of access, particularly to Jack, though tonight he was also talking about Henry, but he's playing on his memories of Henry with Lee. I think that's going to backfire on him because Lee's off to San Francisco, and I think once Lee is in San Francisco, he's probably not coming back. So that leaves Helen up a gum tree, single, which I don't think she really wants to be, but she can't seem to stay in a relationship for very long. It's all a mess, frankly, isn't it? And one way or the other, Titchener's going to think he's got the upper hand. Ho-hum. Speak to you again soon. I don't know whether it was deliberate on Rob's part, but he certainly did get Lee thinking about his girls mm. and suddenly realising that he absolutely desperately wanted to get to San Francisco as quickly as possible, and that meant without Helen going with him. Mm. I, I found that whole manipulation by Rob, and I can only think of it as manipulation, very, very touching, very moving, and Lee's angst when he returned home in tears wanting to see his girls. I've been in that position with children living in one country and me in another, and you get to that point of, I've just got to get over there as quickly as possible. I've got to get go go and see them. It's, you know, a long weekend coming up. I'm going. And I, I understood, and it actually... A lot of people talk about the coercive control being triggering, but that whole thing of uh, Lee being upset following everything that Rob made him think about was very triggering for me. So uh, I ended up with a tear in my eye for Lee, and I do like Lee. Yes, I'm not so sure about Lee, but yes, it clearly had an impact on him. I don't know how much Rob really knows about Lee because he asked him lots of questions about his family situation. And then played on that to have that devastating effect on him. But he can't have gone into that conversation knowing all that or planning all that. So it might be just that he was seizing whatever opportunity he could to put a wedge between Lee and Helen. Yeah, well, that's, I think that's Rob all over. You know, he's very good at getting information by being a sympathetic character. We know it's, it's a coercive control thing. He's that type of person. He can get under people's skin by being a charming man. And getting the information out of uh, Lee was fairly easy. So, I mean, I'm sure I wasn't the only person thinking, what? Why are you telling? Well, I know I'm not the only person because other people talk about it in the calls. But why are you telling him this information, Lee? Give a... You know, he's been told, he's been schooled by Helen, he's been schooled by Tom and Harrison about the kind of person that Rob Titchener is. He shouldn't shouldn't have been led down that garden path of revealing stuff because Titchener's always going to use it, use the information, always. Well, let's not go down that particular path ourselves because we've got a call later from Melly which does precisely that. Mm-hmm. So our next call comes from somebody driving down the motorway, or sorry, not driving down the motorway, but on the motorway, and it's our Quentin. Hello, Dumpty Dumbers. It's Q here. I'm currently travelling back from Cornwall. I'm on the M5. Don't worry, I'm not driving, but I've just listened to this evening's edition, and one thing has occurred to me, and I think we all owe Rob a huge debt of gratitude because he's got into Lee's head, because Lee wants to go back to America before December. So we'll be free of Lee months in advance. I'm hoping Jacqueline will agree with me as well on this because we seem to spot the same things, such as Justin clearing his throat and making absolutely no difference. When are they going to actually stock some lozenges in the village shop? Better stop here because my wife's giving me some funny looks, so bye-bye. <laughs> 
Mm, well, Quinton, I see. He well knows we disagree about Lee. <laughs> I like the character of Lee. I think he's been put in um, put in by the scriptwriters and played very sympathetically by Ryan Early, who I find. I think he puts up with so much from Helen. He went into the relationship with Helen, with her. I want, I want to say controlling, but we've talked about controlling so much. Her calling all the shots with their relationship. He's been a brilliant dad to those boys. And I shall be sorry to see him go. And I understand that, you know, he's he's going out of it. Uh, by the way, Quinton, when you call in from your car, is that just to test our Stephen's new uh, founder sound editing skills? I'm sure Philippa wouldn't accept that as a call. Yes, I tend to agree with Quentin on what he has to say about Lee. I think that Lee is another of the long sequence of unsuitable partners for Helen. I think in some ways it's a bit of a tragedy, but she does seem to be able to pick them. Oh, yes, she knows how to pick them, definitely. But I think we'll get some more views on Helen and her, the rest of her family in our next call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which is from Claire from Clapham. Hi, Dumpty Dum, it's Claire from Clapham here. Well, no one trusts Rob, do they? He's being too suspiciously nice. And also Lee, what a dunce. <laughs> like, you might as well given him the address book or something i don't know it's just why wasn't he more guarded i mean he's supposed to understand what's going on now it's very disappointing and i tell you what helen's forgiven tom pretty damn quick just because he paid a bill with his blood money from the chemical people that's a bit mad i don't know bridge farm archers are just a kind of mystery to me they all make terrible decisions they're barely a brain cell to share between them i just don't get any of their decisions recently I think Johnny's made, always Johnny's the best of the bunch, and he's made the right decision to go off to Greece or somewhere, only Ibiza? I don't know. Anyway, good for him. Get out of the way. I don't even want to think about plot predictions because I'm sure all our minds are racing with all these terrible scenarios, and frankly, it's not good for my mental health to think about it. So I'm going to leave that there. Uh, on the subject of the charging station, I mean, I do like a bit of a local controversy and I can understand there's arguments on all sides and one thing and another, but nothing will get over the fact that, that the principal was daft. No one's going to drive to Ambridge to charge their car. It doesn't make any sense. So what I'm wondering is, and maybe Stephen can research this, once you've laid the high voltage cables or whatever it is you need for a charging station, what else can you do with it? Because if it turns out the station's no use, what else could you do with a very high power electricity in a random field? Hmm, who knows what Justin's really up to? I never trust him. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. I haven't exactly researched it, but I think that if you can't use the, the high voltage cabling and so forth, you can probably take that away and use it somewhere else. What you can't do very cheaply or easily is remove all that hard standing, all that tarmac that you've put down to park the cars on. So what you're effectively doing is turning a field, a couple of acres, into two acres of concrete with the adverse environmental effect that that has in terms of drainage, it could easily lead to flooding down the road as rainwater rush, washes off it rather than being absorbed into the ground. And it's a bit of an eyesore if it's not being used. But on the other hand, maybe somebody could come along and use it for some sort of light industrial purposes. It might be quite expensive, though, to build barns or warehouses or something on concrete and tarmac that's already been put down. But what you're definitely left with is two acres of tarmac yeah but you've also got a shop unit with several units within it you know we know that there's going to be a cafe 
the possibility of a hairdresser's. So uh, an out of town, they out of town, out of village, but it would be uh, the beginning of another development if it was left. As you say, I think the, I looked at, into it slightly. I can also research things, Claire. The cables can be quite easily removed and used elsewhere. But the whole point, and I think Claire made it very well, is why have an EV charging station there six miles from the motorway not from the motorway from the six miles from the bypass six miles is a blooming long way i mean six kilometers seems far enough if you've just got to go across country to get to somewhere so no no it's in the wrong place it should never be happening so i agree justin's got a dastardly plan i still think that the plan is genuine i think that it really is Justin's idea to have an EV charging station. I agree that the location is totally illogical, but I don't think that that's Justin using a Trojan horse. After all, it was a Trojan horse in the first place because yeah. the original bid to buy the land was to use it as a paddock for a pony. And mm. that was the way that Justin got the land before anybody realised what his plan was. I think having a, a Trojan horse inside a Trojan horse gets rather complicated. <laughs> Well, the archers can be complicated anyway, can't It's not as simplistic as some people on the outside think. We know it's all very complicated. Time for our next call. Now, on Friday, I posted a, something on Facebook asking a few questions about the goings-on in Ambridge, and we got some answers to them from one of your favourite callers. Here's Christopher. Hello, everybody. It's, it's Christopher here. Right, what were you wanting to know? Where do I stand on the EV charging station? I don't know, really. I know the only thing green about the EV charging station is money. But I suspect the scriptwriters think otherwise. And I think that that's why it will ultimately go ahead. And fair enough, Jim has been a bit of a bore about the whole thing. Would I let Brian drive a 300 horsepower tractor pulling my new disc drill? Again, I'm not sure. Brian has a history of pulling less appropriate things so maybe <laughs> have I a med tablet yeah i have made tablet my advice to anybody who wants to try tablet is don't make it it will horrify you it is just sugar it's quite nice with a little bit of ginger flavoring i will say that but it's pretty dreadful stuff what was the last who or what would i take along with me to a meeting with rob titchener a disc drill Possibly. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to talk about before we go was, was, was Fallon. When did Fallon become the square one? It's a sort of role reversal, her and Harrison. And she has become the timid, frightened, talking about mortgages. And that never used to be the situation with them. She was the one that was wary of Harrison's squareness. And they've sort of come full circle. And I hope she regains her va-va-voom. Right. Cheerio. Oh, that was lovely, Christopher. I love to hear his voice. I'm sorry. I know I go on about it, but that is such a beautiful, soothing voice. I could listen to you all day. Although, Vava Vroom, where did that come from? <laughs> I don't think it's been anybody said Vava Vroom on a uh, Dumpty Dum call for many, many years. We did get a suggestion that I should edit that call down so that only the Vava Vroom was left. Yes, but that was from Paul, who talked about Rob, and he had intended to call in and talk about the Grundy's world of ferrets. So. <laughs> I think everybody's got a bit confused with it, making their calls. See, Rob is grabbing your brain cells and pulling you out. <laughs> I do think Christopher's last point about Fallon and Harrison is a good one. We mentioned it briefly earlier. But Harrison has changed quite a lot 
both the the conversion towards Christianity and now the the love of nature coming from the 30 Days Wild experience that has led him to want to be a wildlife crime officer. Yeah, but he he made it sound like it was going to be very gentle, not a lot of overtime, but if you're going after poachers and lampers, it's night work and it's a very dangerous business to be in, even if uh, you're looking at people who are persecuting bats or whatever. I think it's not as quiet and calm as he was making it out to be. So I think if he goes for it, I think we'll have a bit more excitement if, if he ever talks about that job. Yes, certainly if he's going after people who are persecuting bats, then we're talking about developers like Matt Crawford in the past and Justin and Lillian now. Yeah, light pollution. I can easily see stories where Justin and Lillian want to develop a building and it turns out that there are bats roosting there. And it's not just poachers, but coursers. And I know that in Ireland recently there have been some fairly violent incidents between police and coursers. I don't think we've had any hair-coursing stories in Ambridge up to now. But it wouldn't surprise me, again, if that was an opportunity to bring in a story on on that subject and to talk about hares, which are absolutely beautiful animals. I have a fantastic picture of a hare above my desk that I'm looking at right now. Oh, yeah, I love them. And we've got quite a a resurgence of hares in the last few years around here. I walk up on the forest most days and on my way up there, there's often a couple of hares sitting in the middle of a field. Now you see them less because the maze is getting taller. But at the beginning of the spring, early, early summer, gosh, it was just fantastic how many you can go. Because my dog's are hunting dogs that I've saved from the hunt and they are stupid because they never see the hares. The hares have gone before they see them. It's very rare for them to see them. Although we had an encounter with a wild boar this week, which was a little scary. But are they scent hounds rather than sight hounds? Uh, yeah, well, one's an English setter, so he's a, she's a um, a birder, a wet wild wildfowl bird. So genetic makeup means that she goes and picks up something. The other's a cocker spaniel, which they're crazy. They just scent everything. So and he he's very stubborn as well. <laughs> yes, I, th- I think traditionally hares were coursed with sight hounds like greyhounds and whippets. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. But it'd be interesting to see this development of Fallon and Harrison because I know a few weeks ago people were thinking that their relationship was on the rocks, that she's so not into him. But I don't feel that that's true. I think they're just having to, like with many long-term relationships, you have to reassess and re-centre on what is going on in each individual's lives at the time and come to a compromise, so... Bit of marital advice there. And there have been quite a lot of compromises in that relationship, but I think it's one of the stronger ones. Yeah, very good. Very good call, Christopher. Thank you very much. And from Christopher, we now move on to Bernadette. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Bernadette Hawks here, Archers fan 2015, responding to Jacqueline's Mayday call about who's going to be on the slap list. I tweeted... We all know who's going to be on the slap list. I think Jacqueline knows too, but she's just having a bit of a laugh, as they say in the East End. Anyway, top of the slap list, well, we all know who it is. It's going to be Lee, of course. I mean, what is wrong with that man? I mean, I have held out for a long time that he's not as dim as a lot of tweet along as think he is. But to myself, I kept this to myself because I thought I'd, I'd get a lot of opprobrium for it. But I'm outing myself now because I am really, really fed up with him. And, you know, does he not think about anything? Is he totally controlled by Helen? I mean, to me, he appears like a puppet on a string. First Tom, then Helen sends him off on this 
foolhardy mission to confront Rob. I mean, what 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 is going on? I mean, you've got to blame the scriptwriters. Why are they doing this? I think I remember vaguely that he wanted to leave, or he's going to be in Corrie or something. The actor who plays him. But if that is so, there are other ways to end the character apart from killing them. Of course, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they want to kill him, but. I might. Yes, I I better go because it's it's all too much for me. <laughs> and Lee is definitely top of the slap list. I love it when Bernadette lets her feelings show like that. Absolutely. Perfect call, Bernadette. Incensed she was, incensed. In fact, that was because she said something on Twitter about we all know who's top of the slap list. And I'm always very interested in who uh, Bernadette would like to slap. But I actually... Genuinely, it was a genuine question, brother. I assumed you meant Rob because I felt like he'd outed himself to us as um, a controlling, coercive person with Lee. So I actually didn't think it would be Lee. And of course, I don't feel the same as you about Lee. So there we go. <laughs> yes, puppet on a string or as I see him, puppy in the corner. Yes. In fact, we have a, a WhatsApp Arinra sent a message and we have a, a WhatsApp Arinra, which I'll read out later on, and they feel exactly the same as you do. <laughs> the thing about a slap list is that that's for people who are being stupid and need to pull themselves together. I think that Rob deserves something somewhat different from just a slap. Mm, yeah. I, then, you see, I still felt like maybe it could have been Tom as well. But Tom, I would be ready to slap every day of the week, so there you go. <laughs> yes, well, I, I think he has a permanent slot on Bernadette's list. <laughs> and I'm with her there. Thank you, Bernadette, for that. And now it's our final call, and it's from Melly. Hello to Jacqueline and Stephen and all Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Melly McMary where they're calling from the very dreary west of Scotland. Um, I think we've had our summer. I think that's done now. So let's just head for autumn. As for our favourite listening, Lee, no. No, no, no. Lee's an allied health professional. He would not be that stupid. He would know about boundaries. He would know about not information sharing. He would know about not giving specifics at all. It's part of the training that you don't do that. So I find that bit a little bit unrealistic. However, Helen's attitude is ludicrous. She just she just doesn't give a flying you know what about anybody about herself and her boys. She's showing no compassion to Lee's situation and his daughters, apart from her like pretend thing of oh they can come and live with us. We all know someone like that, don't we? So, yeah, just it's going to be pretty intense. I just hope they make it intense pretty quickly because I don't think anybody really wants to go through another long, drawn-out, traumatic storyline just yet. Very good news. Very excited. Tomorrow I'm going to work. And then after work, I am meeting up for a dum-de-dum meet-up with the fantastic Camilla, who I met in Birmingham a few months ago so hopefully there'll be some pictures and some voice notes take care everyone bye Dreich is a lovely Scottish word there really is no English equivalent I guess it's because we don't get quite as much Dreich weather as they do up on the west coast of Scotland but that's when it's cold and grey and blustery and just not much fun to be outside even though in this case it's the middle of the summer 
<laughs> yes, exactly. I've had a few messages with, I've been messaging a bit with Melly this week and she's been teaching me a few Scottish words and we've been trying to find what the equivalents would be. And clarty is one of the words that she told me about. And so that was also a, a lovely Scottish word. So uh, I think we've been taken over by the Scots here. Thank goodness. A bit of ethnic diversity. And she's absolutely right about Lee and the fact that he's professionally been trained. This is the second time that it's been suggested that Lee wouldn't have done what he did, the first being that he wouldn't have lost his control when dealing with Rob because he's a karate instructor, and that's an important discipline about self-control and and not lashing out. And now we have equally the importance of setting the boundaries when you're a physiotherapist, as Lee is. Your focus with your clients is on the, the physiotherapy, And while you need to establish a good relationship with them, you don't do that by sharing personal information. That is, as Melly says, a complete no-no. And so Lee shouldn't have ended up in the situation that he ended up with, having been emotionally manipulated by Rob. But then again, that's what Rob's all about. Yeah, it is. And in fact, Melly also sent me a link to a song, which I will put the link in um, in the show notes to a YouTube uh, link uh, to the video. She's done by The Chicks, uh, which is called Gaslighting. Um, and um, as many people will probably remember them as the Dixie Chicks, but they had to rename themselves after upsetting uh, George Bush, I think. They renamed themselves because Dixie has its associations with the antebellum south slavery and all that Uh. sort of stuff so they didn't want to associate themselves with that that was after the incident where they were critical of george bush and basically got hounded out of the mainstream country scene in the states but became even more popular elsewhere including in the uk there's been a funny few coincidences this week with things that have happened, and this was one of them because I've just started ploughing my way through the Mark Billingham uh, series of books with the p- protagonist is D.I. Thorne, who is a great fan of country music, and there's a lot of discussion of him choosing country music as he goes through cases. And so to actually hear this bluegrass country-style song about gaslighting, kind of, I felt, oh, my whole life is connecting, which is what The Archers is all about, really, isn't it? <laughs> So, that's Melly's call. Thank you very much, Melly, and thank you for teaching us a few more uh, Scottish words. Keep them coming. Those are all the calls, but you can also get in touch by sending us an email if you'd prefer. Visit the dumptdum.com website and click the contact us tab at the top of the page. Please keep them brief, up to a maximum of 250 words. And this week we had one WhatsApp error from a person who wishes to remain anonymous. Yes, this person asks, please don't use my name. I'm a first-time WhatsApper in but have been listening for a few years and wanted to reflect on Helen et al. For the record, Helen and I wouldn't be friends. However, I did spend several years in a relationship characterised by coercive control, so I feel we would have common ground. When Helen and Lee got together, I remember Dumpty Dum as commenting on her reluctance to form a relationship. I thought to myself that 10 years on, I found it almost impossible to contemplate being with someone else, so I understood where Helen was coming from. Now, circa 15 years on, I still find a relationship difficult to countenance because I fear my normal would leave me vulnerable, or like Helen, I'd be horrible because of my defensiveness and need for control. I can't see how the relationship can be a success, but I'm still a bit sad for them. 
well, and for me too. More amusingly, Lee and Helen remind me of an episode of Jonathan Creek where Jonathan's new girlfriend, played by Tamsin Gregg, is recently bereaved of a dog. She spends the whole episode alternating, ruffling his hair, feeding him and chastising him. Sitly. Sit! Our anonymous WhatsApp inra is very much in the same camp as Quentin and me in terms of... Yeah. <laughs> and certainly the idea that he's that he's a puppy. Yes, she's definitely always treated him as one of her boys and to the point that I actually laughed when she said to him on Sunday night when he was so gleeful about being able to go back to work on Monday, she said something like, oh, look at you with that big smile on your face and then, have you got your work bag ready? It's the kind of thing that you'd say to a child. Have you done your school bag for tomorrow? I guess she's used to doing that with Henry and Jack. But I, to get back to the main point of that message... Yeah. It does show how effective this story has been about highlighting something which has only really just become a public issue. There was a real-life case which I think inspired the Helen and Rob storyline and that which led to a change in the law. And it was the, the archers that really brought it out to a wider audience. And so I can understand why people are so keen to latch on to anything to do with Rob, and there were constant calls, when's Rob coming back, when's Rob coming back? I was never among them, not because I didn't think that coercive control was an important storyline, but uh, as I've said so many times, it's probably getting boring. The point about coercive control is the Rob inside Helen's head, not the Rob in Hampshire or indeed in a park in Gloucester. But it clearly has had its effect on our messenger. Yeah, indeed. Uh, That also makes me think about what Paul from Only said, because he talked about Lee being single again, uh, a thing that she probably doesn't want. And well, with Lee gone, how vulnerable will Helen be and how vulnerable will she be to Rob Titchener? Well, she may find true happiness with somebody else, but Mm. as we said earlier... Her track record so far is not very positive about that. No, it isn't. I wish her well. I also wish our anonymous uh, WhatsApp Rinra the best of luck and get your strength where you can. And I hope I hope life continues to be reasonable for you. Now, let's hear what our social media gurus have been talking about on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page with our Witherspoon. Greetings again, Dumpty Dummers. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here with this week's social media roundup. The week started with some old-fashioned Eddie Grundy hijinks and nefarious plotting behind Linda's back. Jonah Tishmarsh represented one side with his comment, God, Eddie is a tiresome arsehole, isn't he? Louise Lawton, on the other hand, exclaimed, The Grundy's taking control and knitted ferrets? What could be more fun? Darcy Jorgensen posed one of our favorite questions, What could possibly go wrong? Rita Ferreira shared, I had a ferret named Bejo when I was a punk kid, so I love the idea of a ferret fiesta. In Sunday's episode, we also heard Helen and Lee in a bit more relaxed state, but were also worried. Jan Mitchell advised if he could pull it off, Lee should either have a witness with him when he meets with Rob, or he should record the discussion. She also predicted that Rob's condition for dropping the charges is that Lee must leave Helen. Bernadette Hawks agreed. There was more Helen bashing on Monday. I seem to be in the very small minority who empathizes with her. Al Williams reiterated what he said before. Helen is horrible, with all caps, as we say in America. Many of us wanted to know who paid the bill. Helen's legal bill, that is. Rob was a popular choice, though Karen Wheatley thought Rob's brother but Stephen Bowden had a well-reasoned argument for Tom, and Glenn Fullalove agreed. 
Lucy Griffiths thought Peggy and Kate Lyle lead. I found Eddie's machinations on Tuesday very confusing and noted that he thinks that being chair of the fake committee is like being a mob boss. When Darcy Jorgensen asked, who trusts Mia? Helen Blackburn replied, I always trust a vegan. Of course, the question on many minds after Tuesday's episode, as asked by Nicola McIntyre, are Stella and Pip destined to be together? I thought yes, but both Kay Goff and Guy Ladbrook thought no. Helen Blackburn's plea was, God help us all. Lillian McCarthy wondered if Pip had let her 40-inch slip show when she said she must get Rosie to bed. Did she really mean Stella? There was debate among Dumpty Dummers as to whether Pip is straight, bisexual, or gay. Of course, this is all speculation, and we won't know until it is revealed to us. Lila Toff still wondered whether the newest couple will be Stella and Brian, or perhaps Lillian and Ardell, to challenge our conceptions about age prejudices. Later in the week, we dropped in on an Ambridge public meeting. Benjamin Kevin enjoyed it, though found Mia super annoying. Sandra Jenkinson didn't like Mia's criticism of Jim's old Riley, pointing out that keeping an older car in good condition is in some ways better than replacing it with a new one. I agreed. My 14-year-old car with 190,000 miles died three weeks ago. Tomorrow, I replace it with my first hybrid, a nine-year-old car with only 24,000 miles. For EV owners, I should point out there are a few charging stations in Manhattan, but they are increasing. I thought it was a challenging week for Fallon. Pete Ranson pointed out that the charging station will present new opportunities for entrepreneurship for Fallon, Susan, and Bridge Farm. Due to the time constraints of the recording, I can include comments about what we anticipate will be a very dramatic Friday. Looking forward to reading them and talk to you soon. Well, thank you for that, Witherspoon, and to everyone who's posted their thoughts on the Dumpty Dum Facebook page. And on that note on Friday, you see, uh, Witherspoon, like us, was anticipating slightly more than we got. New referenced earlier that you thought it was a bit of a damp squib. So, as with all these build-up things... I feel like the proverbial hits the fan in the days that follow, so we shall have to wait and see. I agree. It, was, it wasn't fireworks, but no. it has triggered something that will unroll over the next few weeks. Yeah, um, great. That's that's just great by me. I don't know who was the scriptwriter this week. I didn't. I forgot to look it up. Do you it's know? Caroline Harrington. Uh, excellent. Uh, so we shall see how uh, that those stories roll out. So it's now time to welcome the three new members to our Facebook group. Yes, a very warm welcome to... Fran Foote. Narita Woodhams-Batozzi. And Jenny Lawson. You'll also find us on Twitter under at Dumpty Dum. Make sure you include the Archer's hashtag using a capital T and A, which helps those using machine readers to enjoy any Archer's-based tweets. That hashtag is also your gateway to the tweet-along that takes place alongside the daily episodes and really gets going for the Sunday Omnibus. As well as Dumpty Dum, we're both on Twitter. I can be found at Jberto Sanguen. And I'm at at Wenlock House. And now, let's turn to this week's gongs. Hello, it's Fry here. And now, on Dumpty Dum, it's time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Jacqueline, Stephen and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to Bernadette, Jen, Quentin and everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best ones. This week on Twitter, we tweet-alongers were treated to an explanation in three tweets by Bagwaller, 
at Bagwaller about the whole naming of Swedes and turnips thing. At the risk of treading on Stephen's toes with some erudition, I'm going to share it with you. Apparently, the reason we English call neeps Swedes is that we got the word from the Scots. Brassica campestris variety rutabaga was introduced to Scotland from Sweden in the 1780s. At first, these were known as Swedish turnips. The first record of their being called Swedes is from 1812 by a Scot, and the second and third mentions in print are also from Scots sources. But by 1926, Swedes were being called neeps. Although in 1776, Edward Topham in Edinburgh referred to eating neeps, which can only have meant turnips, brassica wrapper variety depressor, because Swedes, which are now called neeps, hadn't reached Scotland at that point. I hope you're all clear, and who says the Archers isn't as educational as it used to be? There was also a great thread started by Matt, at Matt underscore Mark Two. What's the collective noun for Grundies? Is it a catastrophe? An annoyance? A failure? Among my favourite answers were a pilfer, a larceny, and a grunge, which is hard to say, a grunge of Grundies. But there are many more, not all of which I can repeat on a wholesome podcast. So do take a look. <laughs> now to my medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's newcomer John Homewood at Dr underscore J-A-H. Note, Rob has recently got a job working in HR for the Wagner Group. The silver medal goes to Madding Crowd at Further From. I feel that if more people had slammed doors in Tom's face, he might be a better person. <laughs> here, here. And the gold medal this week goes to Bob Hawkins at Salvatore Rosa, who says, You know that saying, so-and-so's not the sharpest knife in the drawer? Lee is not even in the drawer. Oh. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next time. Well, that's it. I'm launching myself into a one-woman campaign to promote Lee. <laughs> Thank you for that, Theo. And congratulations to all who are mentioned in Purple Pumpkin's Roundup, but especially those medal winners. In bronze, John Homewood, at Dr underscore J-A-H. In silver, Madding Crowd, at Father From. And in gold, Bob Hawkins, at Salvatore Rosa. Now, don't forget we're on Instagram as Dumpty Dum, which is run by the very lovely Katie. So do follow us there and include the hashtag Dumpty Dum if you make Instagram posts, which you think would be interesting to our Dumpty Dum family. It remains just to say thank you as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos. As ever, we also thank Shambridge for her voices and our podcasting parents, Lucy V. Freeman and Royfield Brown. Dumpty 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 Dum, Dumpty Dumpty Dum, Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 